Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Well, hello. I'm so happy you're joining us today. We have a beautiful guest, Kira Weinberger. She and I met up last month in Kansas City. She teaches the Mysore program at Maya Yoga in Kansas City, and I was there teaching a workshop. And so I was fortunate enough to get to stay with her and her wonderful husband, who gets mentioned today, and their two funny, hilarious, crazy dogs. And we had just a wonderful time. And I wanted to introduce her and her story to you on the podcast this week. You know, she has a really difficult story in some ways, and it might be a little bit triggering. We're going to talk about anorexia and bulimia and her past and her history and what brought her to Ashtanga Yoga and how she ended up practicing so intensely with many amazing teachers, traveling to India to practice with Sharat Joyce there, and also then coming back and diving into being a full-time Mysore teacher. She has a history of dancing, uh, ballet, musical theater, acting, so there's lots in here for us to explore today and lots that I think you'll relate to. Um, She has a fun new hobby now. She is the queen of burlesque of Kansas City, the burlesque queen of Kansas City, I guess you'd say. It's a national title, and uh, she is the reigning champion. So um, you can imagine we are going to have a really, really fun uh, conversation with Kira today. And I hope that you will participate. We have this amazing challenge coming up. It's free. It's an Instagram challenge. And it's for Yoga Gives Back. It's a mudra challenge. And please donate to my doTERRA um, match funds campaign. So any amount you donate to the doTERRA match funds campaign will be matched by doTERRA and all of the money goes to Yoga Gives Back. So check out the link in the show notes. Uh, There's also a link on my Instagram bio and I would just love for you to donate. I'm going to send out everyone who donates an invitation to join me for a half-day soul-centered self-care retreat online in June. And so you really have nothing to lose. Make a donation, get invited to my retreat in June, and have your funds doubled by doTERRA. It's amazing. And all the money is going to the SHE Scholarship to support women, young women in India, to continue with their higher education. And there's really not anything better that we can invest in when it comes to India, which is the education of women in India, for sure. It is an amazing cause. It's a great opportunity to support Yoga Gives Back and to take your yoga practice off your mat and into the world and give back to India, the beautiful country from which gave us the practice and the teachings of yoga. So that's my intro today. I hope it was enjoyable. 
You'll find us on Instagram in Chicago this weekend. We are actually doing something really fun. We are participating in a urology conference. Isn't that hilarious? So look for some funny photos of us. Um, It's going to be a good time. Um, Yeah. So thanks for listening. Let's jump on over to Kira now. The following program contains coarse language and content that some listeners may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm Harmony and I am here with Russell Cage. Harmony? Yes. I don't know. We've known each other how long? I don't know, a while. A while? It's <laughs> 2000, it's almost 20 years. Yeah, almost. Were you aware that at one point in my childhood, I think I was in the eighth grade, that, I mean, aside from my my mom and brother, I was the only Jew in Kansas? <laughs> uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> you didn't know that? <laughs> You've introduced me to yet a second, uh, a second Jewess of Kansas, the second Jewess of Kansas after my mom. Yeah. How are you? Well, actually, I live Thank in Missouri. Oh, Kansas City, Missouri. Well, then Kansas is still yet today devoid of Jews. No, there's so many Jews. (laughs) No, madam. I've been there. There's the Jewish center, which holds so many Jews. Oh, that's where they hold them? That's where they put them? Put them in a center. Oh, it's worse than I thought. Not only are they I'm doing well already. Way to start. Oh my God! Not only are they not do they not have, do they not actually live there? They don't even have freedom of movement. The ones that are there. No, but you're not from Missouri. No, no one, no Jews. No one's from Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> um, no, I. Uh, well, we moved around a lot. I was born in um, New York City in Manhattan, but um, but I, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. So Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville. Yeah. Yeah, we moved there when wow. I was, I think I just turned nine-ish or almost nine when we moved there. So I came in right at the end of third grade. Oh, amazing. Yeah. How was it growing up in Kentucky? It's worse than you can imagine. <laughs> Louisville's a great town, honestly. Louisville um, is cool. It could have been a lot worse. I think coming from, so like being, I was born in New York and I think I identified that way for so long, even though I barely spent any time there. Um, we lived in Boston, um, Brookline until I was six, and then we moved to Columbus, Ohio. So we just kept going more south. <laughs> I was yeah. um, really mortified leaving Columbus, Ohio, which Bexley has a lot of Jews. So oh, yeah. I spent most of my quote unquote formative young years with around a whole lot of um, Jewish people. Um, oh, but, I could have um, really used that. But then oh, we, but really then we moved to Kentucky, where there were less. In Columbus. Yeah. yeah. Just, I, only, I had only my brother as a, like a fellow Jew, and I wasn't even really sure I was one too or not. Oh, I was oh. fully aware I was one. Um, I chose <laughs> ballet I knew- over Hebrew school, though. <laughs> <laughs> my so parents kind of gave me the choice so. is, is, is that where the jerky's from where you grew up louisville yeah yes the dan jerky? yeah the vegan jerky that i'm obsessed with 
Oh, oh yeah, the oh. um the what do you call the is it like a Louisville brandy vegan jerky? Louisville vegan jerky. The scotch was it brandy? What was it? Uh, I don't know. Some kind of flavor. I'll go get it from upstairs. Um, your, <laughs> your parents are also ballet dancers. My or they my like... mom was a modern dancer. My dad did musical theater and tap, but he just did everything. My dad. Is it does everything? Um, so they were, were yeah. they like doing like the halftime show for like the hockey team, and that's how you just kept getting more and more south. <laughs> yes, no, um, that's exactly it. My parents met actually in a dance class, but um, my dad worked in advertising. So, um, little known fact people in advertising apparently move more than the army, so we just kept moving around. <laughs> oh and um, he just, I mean, oh man, he would switch jobs and and um, and we would move. And then finally, we moved to to Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, we thought we thought we were going to end up leaving as fast as we got there because the the magazine he was working for, the guy was a doctor and didn't know how to run a magazine, so it almost immediately went bankrupt. But there oh was. But people wanted the magazine. So my dad and the um, the person who did most of the computer work, um, they became kind of um, partners and they bought out the magazine. So then we ended up there until I graduated high school. And then I went back after. Um, and then they moved probably when I was, I think I was like 22 or so. They moved to Arizona. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that's the like... longest we spent anywhere. And you just twirled your way around and yep. doing plies and the whole thing. And yeah. <laughs> wow. And just made the, the most of it, really. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember thinking, like, crying, being like, we're leaving Ohio and we're going to a place called Kentucky. Like, truly not understanding if they wore shoes. You know, I really thought <laughs> that this was, like, the most horrific thing that will ever happen to me also i mean in true like in true jew form i am about as neurotic and dramatic as it gets so i was just like having mini fits every day but i really did love growing up there i mean it's a great city that's hilarious because i was growing up just a little bit west of you in illinois west and north and i literally was barefoot most of the time and it just struck me. It was like, oh, no I was shoes. no shoes. And that's, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I don't mean to brag, but it's also why my feet have, have such a wide uh, uh, width, width, splay, ah. and I, girth. Birth. Would you say? Birth? A wide birth. A wide birth. Like a ship. <laughs> you know, like a ship. <laughs> and I, 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 they really like hobbit feet because I didn't wear shoes and like they're really wide. And well, I don't, if you I, ever I, need I can help, put them on you know, video. That's, that's what my husband does. So, yeah. Also, Your husband is a podiatrist. Yeah. The Jew married a podiatrist. So, welcome <laughs> nice. to like, the fairy tale. Wait, way to marry up. <laughs> the wow. <laughs> don't screw around, sister. No. It's yeah. Absolutely. It's lovely. 
He's answering all my key questions. Oh my goodness. Now can (laughs) I I I could do like a like a palm print of my foot and I could send it to him just (laughs) yeah so you can see how wide is I really want to put it on video right now, but I know you put this on YouTube and I thought I don't know how many times that I tell people and they're like, hold on, I'm going to text you a picture. Can you send it? Oh my god! I'm like, could I sell these on the internet? Like, I could sell them. Yeah, yeah. There's like a that's how I would make the money. Foot fetish community, I know on like Instagram. How do you know about that? Because anytime I hashtag foot fetish, I get a billion comments. Jesus. Yeah, they're a little out there though. When I first... but you also have to post a picture of your foot to get the comments. You can't just hashtag; it has to be relevant. <laughs> you, when I first made it to India, I was really surprised by the the feet there because it was the first time that I saw feet that looked like mine that were really oh, splayed out yeah. and wide and had that that wide. And I thought, oh, these are my yeah, these are my people. I bo- I should be a manual laborer you know, hefting up sand on top of a house somewhere. But it's like the opposite of ballet. Ballet is like squishing your foot into the tiniest little, little tiny shoe feet. you can find. Yeah. And like oh, breaking so all your envious. bones while you're doing it. We talked about this. I was always so envious of the dancers with the tiny feet and like the perfect oh. arches. And I was just like, mine are just weird and long and I'm short and I've got oh, big no, feet, no. but I don't really have big feet. It just... No. seemed like that at the it, time it's it's, there, it's the body dysmorphia that comes with the ballet yeah it's people <laughs> are bringing attention to to you in the a negative way parts of your it, body and you're still unhappy yeah. with it yeah you're like how can it's, i be unhappy with every little thing that i it seems exist. like a hostile work environment it so, is it is a little hostile yeah yeah <laughs> so, i know i used to get really upset about um like my hands, like I didn't have long enough fingers. I, well, I, I bit my nails, so they were always stubby. So now I look at them and oh, I'm yeah, like, oh, I have such that, pretty yeah. hands because I have fingers. Yeah. And like <laughs> arms. I always wanted like long limbs. And it just I have the long legs. Long well, yeah. Thank the you. Secret Thanks, is, genetic. ladies. If you don't, if you don't eat much, your limbs do appear longer. They do appear longer. Yeah. I've tried that. So we can, we can, we can go back to that at some home, point, but I definitely tried that one. It worked out so well. Eating. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> go over. Was, I mean, yeah, because you really seriously struggled with anorexia and were, you were hospitalized as well, right? Um, yeah, actually my struggle, interestingly, in the beginning was, I think almost more of a, well, when it started around kind of 15, 16, I had my first injury. I sprained my ankle and like most of my injuries, I just like fall down a stair or just like clumsily flip. Um, So I sprained my ankle and I was out. Um, Yeah. And I think I was just about 16 or somewhere in that range because I gained weight And I got my period for the first time, kind of all in this like really weird chain of like six week event. Um, And I almost had this like strange rebel, like rebellion reaction where I just like kind of binged a little bit more than than anything else. Um, 
And then I found the the purging stuff. Maybe I should say trigger warning or something like that for people. Um, we'll but, do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the 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 bulimia piece was my first diagnosis, quote unquote. Um, and then over time, it, I kind of just put them both together. And then yeah. about ten yeah, years they- later through some major lack of um, being a functioning human, um, I went to um, uh, a treatment, a residential treatment in Arizona, um, which was not hospitalization because, you know, the one thing that I guess that gets glossed over with with bulimia more so than, you know, the anorexia piece. I mean, I remember seeing pictures of myself and I, I mean, now I can see it. I couldn't see it then that I didn't look okay. But for the most part, it really is a, you know, it's a maintaining thing. You don't really notice. It's not something that like, um, is, is incredibly visible from to the eye, but, um, but yeah, so Cause you don't, you don't necessarily lose weight. That's no, you not really. Um, I mean, you, it kind of has to go with it kind of has to go with the anorexia though to yes lose the weight so that was that was uh diagnosis number two was right at that point it was called bulimorexia or something like that right because it became very visible obviously and you weren't functioning properly and then and then you know obsessive it was like obsessive over exercise I mean it was pretty much anything under the sun that I could kind of get Mm-hmm. my hands-on body, you know, to do, I, I yeah. did for, for a long time. Um, yeah. You did it as well, right? Yeah. I used to get up in the middle of the night and do aerobics. Like three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knew that later in life I'd get up in the middle of the night and do yoga, but <laughs> right. Same thing. But maybe in a, well, hopefully mm-hmm. in a little bit more. Yeah. I, yeah, I would do like squats and sit-ups and push every time I went to the bathroom. I mean, it was like one of yeah. those weird, like OCD ticks. It was like, I couldn't leave yeah. unless some, you know, and I had those I think, ticks when I was little, but it was with my stuffed animals. So it was like, <laughs> I was like, they I have think to there is eating, a so. correlation, right? Between yeah. um, OCD and eating disorders as well, actually. Well, and you know, then finally at what age? you know, 20, 25, six, seven, they were like, oh, you have generalized anxiety. And I was like, cool. Mm-hmm. And a, mm-hmm. a lot of, right. a lot of, a lot of the issues that I had always felt like were the bigger pieces ended up being symptoms of something much larger. Mm-hmm. So, mm. so yeah. can I ask, um, I, I, because I, there's some there's some there's some so many similarities there, and I and I wonder if if so much of it is is a is about like your essential condition being about a, achievement, and is it is it the achievement that's driving it less so than trauma? Is that wrapped up in yes. fear of death and not achieving enough or? You know, it's like, is there, what's the basket of goodies there that that's like just driving you guys? Such a, such a really fun basket. Um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know, when I also, you know, not just ballet, but, but I actually 
back, you know, quite a while ago, I definitely did some major damage to my vocal cords over the years. But before I had, you know, my voice was much more the, I guess, the talent people knew me for. I mean, I was a great dancer. I was a dancer. I was amazing, but I was great. Um, mm. But, you know, when you're, and I, and I thought, I think I, most of me believed that it's what I wanted. I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to go to school for singing. I wanted to do this master's program. I wanted to do these summer programs. I wanted to do all these things. Um, but I think I wrote in a question that I, I realized so much later on that I didn't identify as a person. I identified as someone who sang or someone who danced. My identity was I remember getting really upset in April because someone got the same score in like a comp a, a vocal competition as I did and mm -hmm. feeling so kind of now I know it was just, you know, anxiety, but just so panicked that I might not be the best that I, there might be other people like, like who thinks there aren't other people that are amazing out there, but there was this part of me that, couldn't wrap my mind around being anything else. Um, and so I, you know, it's, I think it's pretty, I mean, I guess it's pretty standard. You know, we all sabotage ourselves in some way, sometimes, maybe not everybody, but I definitely did a lot. Um, and I think it was kind of this, I don't know if I was punishing myself. I don't know if um, I couldn't handle stress or if it was my answer back then was control. I would always say something I had control of, which was absolutely the opposite because I had zero control. None. Mm -hmm. I couldn't control it. I didn't want to wake up in the morning and start my day by not leaving the house and either not eating or, or running for five miles, which I still haven't figured out because I can't even run a mile now. Um, but like... You know, how I would do, you know, how I did this, I still, to this day there, I have a lot of questions. I wish I could ask myself how I did all of it, mm -hmm. but I also probably don't want to know either. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like a lot of what goes along with this piece that we're talking about, this, um, you know, drive, this anxiety, this perfectionism is a lot of like that negative self-talk and inner critic voice. And I feel like that is so powerful when you're in that, that disorder, that mm -hmm. inner critic, that it, it drives you. It's yeah. like literally being a slave and having like a really cruel master who's just like driving you and it's driving you through hate and meanness and I think that that there's a little bit of a dissociation that happens between yourself and your body and that your body just becomes like an instrument a tool and like mm -hmm. you can do anything to it because it's not you and then there's also sort of a dissociation between like yourself as as a, a human being even mm -hmm. it's very interesting and I think that drive that like it can push you to do crazy things because yeah. you are and not your other crazy <laughs> yeah it's like a, it's like a different thing but I think that is actually kind of the scary thing about 
the yoga in some ways is because it can, I think, trigger that same feeling of mm-hmm. being dissociated from your body and your body being a tool and not a part of you. And, um, you know, it can also trigger that self-criticism as well. And that comparison and that perfectionism and all of those patterns lead to these other negative types of disorders, you know, in certain ways. Yeah. I, it, as I stutter over my words, I, it's doing this practice, getting up in the morning or in the afternoon, or because I'm not exactly, you know, probably the quote unquote best Ashangi, but um, when I, you know, I used to get really frustrated and I haven't felt that in so long. Um, And maybe that's, maybe it's growth. Maybe it's realizing that doesn't really matter anyway if I can lift up from Karandavasana anymore because some days I can and some days I can't. And I think that's just fine. But that's amazing that you can (laughs) at any point. It's amazing. But it's also, it's also growth, right? Which is beautiful. Yeah. And I, and I do, you know, I never, I I got on Instagram pretty late and I got on, you know, all of that kind of stuff pretty late. And um, it took me a really long, you know, like sometimes when I teach and I talk to people and they're like, you know, they see the, the Instagram posts and I'm like, oh, but if you could have only seen when I started and then you'll see some people like, post their thing from 2014 and it's still absolutely stunning and perfect and whatever it is. And, and I'm like, I couldn't get off the ground. I couldn't do a chaturanga, Mm. like, but I can always put my legs behind my head. So I can't lie to you about that. (laughs) You know, I got long limbs and a short torso. Thanks mom and dad. And, you know, I uh, started quite a few rungs up on the ladder from, you know, just having some physical ability, but I didn't yeah. have, but I didn't have the the mental or emotional capacity that mm-hmm. a lot of people have or had when they, you know, they came in the room, maybe they came in for something different or they came in the exact reason that we all come in, but I just kind of still was a bit of a shell when, when I came in to this practice. Right. Like when you started practicing, was it when you had just like started healing from your no, eating disorder? I started before. Okay. So my, so, yeah, I think tell us my, about that. yeah. So, you know, I, all, all the good things in the world that I have in my life, I probably have because of my parents. Um, so I, you know, the eating, the eating disorder background is, is not a trauma um, I don't, I mean, I have trauma, like we all have trauma. I've had things happen, but it wasn't my upbringing and it wasn't my childhood. Um, mm-hmm. I have incredibly wonderful and supportive parents who are going to listen to this. So I love you guys, um, <laughs> but that's not why I'm saying it. So, you know, I, um, I couldn't function. I, I wasn't functioning and I, um, and I left, um, the university of North Texas while I was getting my vocal performance degree because I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't function. I couldn't leave my room. I couldn't, I couldn't do things that, um, you have to do to get through your day. 
Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I came home thinking, you know, my I I was the one that wanted to leave. Um, I also had decided at some point in time that I was done singing um, because I wanted to be normal. And I don't know what that is. <laughs> Still haven't figured mm-hmm. it out. But at 20 or 19 years, I think I was like 20 years old, I decided I wanted to be whatever normal was. Um, and I didn't want to sing anymore. And I didn't want to perform anymore. And I didn't want to do any of it. Um, I came back and my parents were practicing with Laura Spaulding at Yoga East, who is a just, I don't know if I have all any of the <laughs> the words to say and I mean she's incredible I yeah. I love her I would go back to anytime I'm back in Louisville I try and go see her um of course I've had my knee injury the last couple of times but it's doing much better now obviously um but um <laughs> they brought me to yoga thinking that because it's healing I would maybe find some healing I loved it I mean um I did an intro where we learned, you know, the invocation and what the breath and the drishti and the bandha were and sun salutations and standing. And then, you know, I'm I'm making it through full primary in my own probably very, you know, like falling over way, but I could do the binds and I could do the like behind the head things and like supta again, long limbs and, and open hips. I never really had an issue with that kind of stuff. Jump backs were hilarious and um a disaster and I think I just sat there half the time and watched people do them but um but yeah and but at that point in my life I was my priority was going out and getting drunk it was not mm. going to yoga right at 6 yeah, that's a full-time job so, <laughs> oh yes and I was working in restaurants on top of that so I was up late so sometimes I would go to the 4 p.m Mysore that that they had they had the afternoon Mysore and sometimes I would go to the morning and most of the time I wouldn't show up at all and so I was just like I was like the the, yeah. the constant let down of you know my parents showing up every single morning because my parents practiced the six days a week like they did their thing they were always there and I just kind of like stumbled in when I could, you know, make it. And you were in your early twenties at this point. Yeah. I'm about 21, 22. You're a little bit older. (laughs) Now she's a little older. Oh, then. I was like, yeah, so cute. Thanks. No, not. But that's also quite normal. I think for someone in their early twenties, 20s typically you know you're kind of going through that explorative stage of life (laughs) and I was definitely one of the younger ones in the room you know um they were a bit everyone else was was a little bit older not I mean there were a few that were younger um and you know they they went on their their first trip to India and you know I thought oh that that would be that would be fun and then I definitely did not ever go um (laughs) <laughs> it was probably a good thing. Um, cute to 20 years later, and then I finally did go. But um yeah. but you know, um, but yeah, I think that was about two thousand a long way there. 2002-3 where was my was when I first 2001. I don't know. I can't act honestly, I can't remember when my first class was, but um yeah, I was in and out 
at Yoga East until I went to treatment and that was 25. I went at 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What triggered yeah. going to treatment? Like why well, my like parents who said moved. to you, you've got to take care of this. Yeah. So my parents moved to Arizona about when I was 22 ish, 23. And I was still in and out of, I would still go take class sometimes. Um, and I was going out a lot. I was partying a lot. And I, um, and somewhere in there, like, was working at Hooters and, like, you know, I was doing, like, I was oh. being, right, normal? Was that normal? I think in somewhere, yeah, my sure. brain was like, that's so normal. Right? Um, <laughs> oh, God. And then... Um, Especially in Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. Uh, yeah. Funny. I said y'all a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um... I went to visit my parents and I guess, I don't know if I looked like shit. I don't know if I looked like I, or I just looked unhappy, something, I don't know. And my parents just point blank said, there is a treatment center here. Do you want to go? And I said, whoa, yeah. out of the, but like to say to your kids, something like they're like, they knew I wasn't okay. Like, and I had stealing been. money from us. We found needles. We need to put you in a treatment center. Like, that's a big, just out there. We're going to say this. Yeah, I came to visit and, you know, but I was still like, you know, it's like the functioning alcoholic. Like, at that point in my life, I was going to work. I was making money. I was probably spending it on booze, but like I was doing the things and the stuff and the rent and all the the things, like I was doing the stuff. I actually had a really good job at the time. I was working at a restaurant in Louisville that is still around and I love very much and um, is connected to a hotel. And, and I was, I mean, I was doing great. I actually ended up serving uh, Barishnikov and his um, oh. the White Oak Project while I was there. Like, I mean, um, Obama <laughs> spoke there. That was long. That was before he um, he even ran for for office. He was coming. He was doing like a tour before he ran for president. So, like, he spoke there. Like, it was a really wonderful place to work. Um, so, I mean, I was doing quote unquote to the to the naked eye fine you know, or as good as it gets. Um, but no, I went to visit. I think maybe it was Thanksgiving. I can't really remember at what point that was. Um, but they asked if I wanted to go. They said, is this something you would want to do? And I said, yes. And then I took all their money for treatment. For treatment. <laughs> they spent their, yeah. all their money for me to go to treatment. Yeah, they spent all their money. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That they wow. offered and that you knew instinctively that you should say yes. And so the treatment was for alcohol specific. No, it for my treatment was for bulimia. Mm-hmm. Well, I, oh. Um, oh, sorry. I was saying like, I was like a functioning alcoholic. I was a functioning, I had a functioning eating disorder. Oh, Drink I see. Wise, look, I mean, I'm not going to say that binge drinking should be normalized but I was certainly just at that point doing what everyone else and all of my friends were doing doing, I just was drinking at the end of shifts getting pretty drunk waking up in the morning doing it all over again sometimes going to class but most likely not you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, pretty hard to go to class yeah and I was actually yeah I think I sent the opera company a couple of couple of shows I I mean I don't I don't want anyone to know that, but I don't know if I was sober in some of those, you know, like, and I say that because I was unhappy. I was just so unhappy. 
Do you think they noticed in Phoenix that maybe they they noticed that you were like running to the bathroom after dinners and like, do you think they noticed that? I would think so. Yeah. And I was in Tucson. Maybe... They're in Tucson. Um, Tucson but yeah, yeah I mean, I would, you know, you think you're really sneaky. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you think, you know, the tricks, you know, you, you, you know, you're quiet when you do it, you wait longer, you make sure, oh God, I know, you know, I don't want to really like go too deep into it, but like, you know, there's a lot of things that you do. You think you're being really sneaky, but you know, it's like someone, I had, I have a lot of friends that had, um, you know, that had issues with, with drugs and, you know, they think they're hiding it too. And you're like, I, but I see you. And so my parents could see me, they could yeah. see I wasn't okay. They could see, you know, mm -hmm. the, the wheels were spinning very slowly. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. I never really asked them exactly what prompted what what prompted them to ask me then instead of like earlier or or later. And I'm not, you know, that's an answer I don't know. Um, but I do know it was the best decision I ever made. And it wasn't easy. I was there for either 45 or 60 days. I can't remember. Um, or 40 days or I was there a while. Um, yeah. not as long as some, um, but again, it's not a cheap thing to do, you know, actually, um, some of the hospitalizations are actually more expensive because of the, the you know, what they have to go through in the hospitals. Um, but because of that, I moved back to Louisville and then kind of floundered there for a while. And so I just, that's when I moved out to Arizona and I was working with Lisa. Yeah. yeah Lisa yeah great friend of the show lisa Schrein. <laughs> and so <He's> the best <laughs> you you um left treatment you went back to louisville and tried to like kind of pick it up again and then you're tried like this to. is not working you know, it's funny it's that like definition of crazy if you just get why yeah you keep so trying I back and i was like <laughs> i'm not gonna work in a restaurant and then i started working in a restaurant um started dating very a uh, uh, dating a guy that was very similar to most of the guys that I have dated not a bad guy at all but just um definitely an enabler um so I could just kind mm. of see it all coming back so like, it was you look really thin and good in that dress like that kind of enabling <laughs> no like he would get he would get super effed up and you know yeah. like he oh. would just be dead asleep and if I it just left me in spaces that were really easy to uh have a slip or a relapse or yeah, to purge. Yeah, so and you know yeah. he didn't really say too much about it if I if I did you know the accountability yeah, yeah. the accountability was I think for anyone who's incredibly important coming out of something like that if you don't say it happened, then you don't have to admit it did. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't stay for too long. I was all, I was moving not, not too long after that. I think I was there for maybe a year and then I mm -hmm. moved to Arizona. 
And then what were you doing when you moved to Arizona besides picking up Ashtanga yoga again with Lisa? <laughs> well, I got out of treatment and went back to Yoga East um, mm-hmm. and started taking classes a bit more and realizing it was, there was something there that, um, you know, it's like the, like the nice guy that you're like, I don't want to date you. You're my friend. Is this fine? And then they're just still <laughs> there. And then there's a reason they're still there. I don't know. Um, but there was something that that just made sense to me. Um, and working with Lisa, she was really hard on me, just like Laura was. And I think that's, um, that was, I need that. I'm, I can, I've got that. And she's also a, and she's also a dancer. And yeah. so there's a kind of like, yeah, she understands she you at a fundamental level as well. Yeah, she was, um, she was hard on me, but she, but in a very understanding way, um, she mm-hmm. definitely the best, the best mentor I could have, I could have asked for. Um, I love her very much. She's in Phoenix now though. So she left Tucson not long after I left because her parents were in Phoenix. Yeah. So she's there now and she's just awesome. So and then yeah, how then, on yeah. how on earth did you get to Kansas City? <laughs> so um I was can I, can actually, I just I'm, ask funny oh, enough, I'm, I'm wearing this Tommy Choice t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. The Tommy oh, Choice. This was Lisa's shirt. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. But what brought me to Kansas City? Um, so Andy and I met in like 2000, right around 2011, uh, right before um the podiatrist. Yeah. Yeah. He was mm. in residency at um at the VA we met at a party and randomly and um we went on was, a date was he is he season. a veteran no he was just a resident just, after, just like, a that was his resident. residency oh, okay um you're placed for residency in certain in certain places and he was placed at the Tucson VA hospital so good for lucky me. you mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> lucky me he got to see all the types of trauma wounds um <laughs> um yeah we met and he was in it was his he was finishing his first year or I'm not sure because he was there for three years and I was there for four so yeah he was in his first year um and uh he picked up the private practice job in Overland Park Kansas Um, We just really like Kansas City, Missouri. Mm -hmm. Um, The area we're in is called Brookside. We really enjoy it. And so um, when we first moved here, we were in Overland Park. But but yeah, he got a job here. So he moved in July and I stayed in Arizona until February. Um, One of Lisa's jobs when I first moved to Arizona was teaching yoga at a charter high school. And when I was men, when I was menteeing uh, with her, I would go to her class and mm-hmm. help teach the kids. And then she would tell me what I was doing, what I can do better, what I could, what was good, what wasn't good, blah blah blah. And um, she ended up giving me that job, and it was easily the best job I've ever had. Um, I taught Monday, Wednesday, Fridays for an hour and a half to these um, absolutely amazing for the most part, amazing kids. And um, and then I would teach a shorter class on Tuesday, Thursdays. I ended up doing some fundraising for them. I planned mm-hmm. the proms and the events there. It ended up actually being much more of like um, 
what I did for a living instead of just teaching yoga to kids um, a little bit. Yeah. They were they were amazing. So when we moved here, I I didn't teach actually for for quite a bit um, because it was it was hard. Did you uh, did you ever <laughs> teach the teachers at all? I didn't. The teachers, um, you know, it was interesting. They would do like so. The the head of the school was one of Lisa's students. So like we would be in Mysore together, or I would assist, you know, yeah, her yeah, at yeah. Mysore practice or whatever. But um, no, I really focused on the kids, and there was a part of me, and I think there still is, you know, um, growing up really fast in that performance kind of lifestyle and space. Um, I have a very strong uh, connection to my inner child now. So um, (laughs) I connect to kids like teenagers um, Mm -hmm. pretty well because I didn't really um, have too much. I mean, I did have, have, you know, teenage years. I did like have fun in high school. I totally had fun in high school. I did really dumb stuff in high school, but like, mm-hmm. um, I was always somehow still focused on like what the next step was more so mm-hmm. than just being able to see, to see, you know, your teenage years for what they are, um, and allowing, you know, to kind of just being able to listen to them sometimes was a little bit better than you know, talking back as an adult. Well, it's an interesting question of like, what, what is an adult and what is a child? (laughs) And we we have, we have, you know, normative uh, uh, mores about, you know, what that is, but it's, it's, it's kind of, it's also a social construction. And the two of you had a very adult adolescence and, you know, some, you know, some kids get married at 12, some are, right at work you know that's kind of funny to do about this time of day um and so it's it's interesting but then but i think also i was an only child so i was always around adults as a little kid um you know your parents have people over it's not like you have someone to go play with you just hang out Mm -hmm. with your parents Mm -hmm. and the adults so you kind of conform a little bit to becoming yeah. a tiny adult. And they then talk about that, as, the precociousness of the only child. Yeah. yeah. Because you just, you just you sound adult, like an adult. If you become an adult, you just slide back. And, <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So like, you know, I, th- you know, f- for, on the other end of the spectrum, you get countries like like uh, Taiwan, or um, where the the average age of a of a child moving out of their of their parents' house is over thirty now, because it's just like, are they a child if they're living with their parents at twenty nine? You know, it's like they can't, they're not married. You know, they right. they can't afford to get married or have their own house, and so like the the uh, is a child does a, st- a child stop being a child at twelve or thirty is like a pretty big range. And I think I, yeah, I was I was out of the house every summer starting at eleven. So I would do right. summer programs every summer for six to eight weeks, um, and then I I move I moved out to go to college at 
I don't, I don't know if I had turned eight. No, I think I had just turned 18 um, because I did the summer opera with University of North Texas as an incoming freshman instead right. of coming in as just a normal freshman. I came in as an incoming freshman and pl- and was one of the opera leads for their summer. And so I kind of started college in a really weird way because I was placed in what they, you know, University of North Texas has better sports now. Um, but when I was there, <laughs> the sports weren't so great. And they had, they had built this um, like new style dorm called it's called Mozart Hall and it was this beautiful mm. like um they were suites they had you know like it was one big room there were two beds and then it had their own bath you had your own bathroom you had your own little kitchen kind of thing um and they put me in there over the summer and then they just kept me there um so I started college <laughs> in like my roommate was a junior who had no desire to have me there but she was really nice and then she moved mm. out halfway and I ended up in a room alone as a freshman, you know, so I was yeah. on my own a lot, did not help the eating yeah. disorder at all, um, being by myself so <laughs> often and alone. And I was also technically still in a relationship with the guy I was with in high school. That was a whole Right, thing. yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like... Yeah. I could see it. I could see like just being a little manic and not eating and getting everything done and doing everything you're supposed to be doing. And, then and not maybe doing, also not very, and then not being very happy at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I remember being upset a lot. And uh, yeah. I remember him saying to me, like, you know, it's really hard to miss you when you're always upset. And I was like, mm, <laughs> oh, no. God. And then God. I shifted yeah. the tables and, um, and then I did some things that weren't so nice. So, you know, um, we all... We all do, mm. do yeah. things at 18 that we're not proud of. But um Yeah. But That's yeah, no, my experience um, with women is they're quite painful ultimately. <laughs> college was interesting because it just, you know, like everyone knew people. I was um the only freshman. Uh, there were like two other freshmen in this, you know, one class. And like I just kind of was constantly one of the only ones. Um, so it was kind of back to being the young one in a group of older friends. And, um, I was kind of used to that, but, um, yeah, yeah, it didn't last. Yeah. It's just, it's, uh, it's interesting. I was, I was, I was thinking about, you know, what do you, you know, it's kind of like a question of, of samskara and karma, you know, and, Uh and dharma, you know, what is the 30 year old who's lived with their parents the entire life in Taiwan? What do they miss by not having the opportunities that you and, and Harmony did by having so much independence right. and so much isolation yeah. from an early age of 12 and like going out and like making all these mistakes and like, and you know, what do you miss by not having like maybe more of a cocoon in which to to blossom inside of before being thrust out into the world. And it's, you know, it really comes like, what can we really afford to regret when we have these experiences that form us now? I don't though, that's the the thing um, I say a lot. You know, there are things maybe I wish I had maybe done a little differently, but all roads lead to here. I'm here, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I like, and I like where I am. I, I, you know, I have 
still have great parents and um, mm-hmm. two insane puppies and uh, that I love very much. And I love my husband and I love this practice. Um, mm-hmm. I would have left it a long time ago if I didn't. And um, mm-hmm. And I feel like over the last, actually, honestly, the pandemic really shifted some things for me because it allowed me to find the pieces that I was missing with teachers that I would have never been able to practice with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I found Tara, Tara Mitra has, be, has become, you know, m- you know, more of my teacher than, than anyone that's ever taught asana to me because I work with her on chanting and it's one of my, it's, it, I don't want to say I love it more than anything else, but um, I get to use my voice again. And it's really mm-hmm. nice to, we talked about this the other day, to rebuild those those samskaras, those habits of picking, like I can, you know, I because I have a musical ear, I can hear what I'm doing. And I have a tendency to only hear what I'm doing wrong. And so I start yeah. to get apart. And of course, I want to hear what I'm doing wrong. I don't want to just go, oh, it's great. And then I'm botching words that mean something else but um Mm -hmm. but yeah there's there's been a lot of healing with finding how to use my voice in a constructive way instead of a performance way I performance doesn't make me the best human um certain types of I am still performing in, you know, in some ways now. And, um, and I love it so much because it's a very healthy space, which some people probably would not find the healthiest space since I'm not wearing a lot of clothes, but, um, <laughs> but I, but I love, I, I, you know, I, I decided a long time ago to really look at reworking the habits that I have um, because again, I don't want to have regrets and I'm not trying to change my life. But I am trying mm-hmm. to do the things I love in healthier ways mm-hmm. because I do like to perform. I love to be on stage. I it's 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 not just like a rush or a thrill. It's a lifeline for me. Yeah, um, yeah, it feeds your soul. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. but doing it in a way that is in a constant um, that I can look at pictures and not pick myself apart. You know, um, that I can hear recordings and not just hear the notes that don't sound good or the word that I said incorrectly or sounds ridiculous or when I didn't point my foot or I didn't do this or like where skin is moving where I don't want it to move. But right. Yeah, that again, that like negative voice, that Mm -hmm. inner critic that it doesn't go away. Yeah, but learning to, I I love this, what you're saying is you're, you're doing something that you know feeds your soul that brings you life and learning to kind of silence Mm -hmm. (laughs) or at least have the voice going and just be like, there, there, it's okay. (laughs) You don't need to be so mean. (laughs) It's all fine. Called, oh my God, I just forgot what it's called. It's called Starf by Maria Scharnbacher. Um, and it was, it was a big game. I mean, there's a lot of books about eating disorders that people who've had eating disorders write and all of that kind of thing. But she 
she wrote kind of the book she says something about in the end there is the letting go and then there's a line that she says and you tell the bitch in your head to shut the fuck up and eat (laughs) exactly and it's like but that's it yeah yeah and it's the same you know um now I will always tell my head to shut up. I listen to my body a lot more, but that's the thing about sometimes with this, you know, especially watching people do this practice and watching amazing, you know, uh, practitioners do this practice. You know, you see, you, there's that battle of like the head telling you to do more, but again, mm-hmm. it's still just the head telling you it's not enough. And that's that, that yeah. ego piece. So I would yeah. always rather at least for me, that I do a little less than mm-hmm. try and do the more. Um, yeah. And I think that's why I pushed third series away. I was just yeah. like, I'm good. I'm going to hang out here in second. And, yeah. and I'm glad I, and I'm glad I moved on and I'm glad I, you know, I'm working on it and I'm doing it. But, um, but there, there is remnants of, of, the ballet injuries like my left ankle is still incredibly it's just chronically weaker which makes other parts Mm. of my left side chronically weaker so when I did um end up tearing the you know my left meniscus it wasn't awful like I could still practice I literally went to India a week later because I was like well I'm going anyway um And I know I, it, I never made it worse I just didn't make it better (laughs) but um but That's I do kind I of think, the, one of those injuries that's hard to make better right away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, I think that that was did going you get to happen. surgery. I did. I did. Yeah, yeah, it will yeah. be a year ago in just um, a, a week or so. I think it was it's like on, one of those injuries. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I, so if you have a kind of, for those listening who also are like, who is Kira? Um, <laughs> never heard of this person. So thanks for having me on here. But um, but yeah, we do a whole I, intro before the show. It's fine. Perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, I was going to have my surgery when I got back from India, and then I couldn't have it then. And then I had a burlesque show, so I was like, well, I can't have surgery and then have a burlesque show. And then I had burlesque fest, and I literally, you know, that's when I won. So I'm the reigning. Um, it's a national competition, but it's the Kansas City Queen of Burlesque. So I won that. Oh, and then smokes. we're gonna call this episode the Kansas City Queen of Burlesque. I yeah. Um, I, I pass off my crown um when I get back from uh, Miami. But um I don't want you to pass off your crown. I have to pass off my crown. It's exciting. I'm gonna keep my tiara <laughs> and my beautiful sash, but um, yeah. It's yeah, like giving no, away the green jacket, at the masters. You don't, I guess. You don't really you don't do actually. My costume this year is lime green, so maybe I'll just like <laughs> throw golf balls into the audience. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I I won I won the title and uh, slept a bunch on Sunday and then got up Monday morning and had the surgery. So the surgery. Wow. So this is such a, a funny thing. This uh this burlesque dancing that you do because it's so I think you know how you said it maybe it's not so healthy because you're not wearing so many clothes, but on the oh, contrary, I think some people look I at it this way. I I could yeah but I think it's super healthy for you because for me yes I mean yeah you gotta you gotta 
love your body to a certain extent to be able to have that confidence and that that put yourself out there you have to like kind of get over a lot of like the shame associated with it right well here is the sorry mom and dad when when I went to college I was 18 um and I met a girl at a party and she was a stripper and Mm -hmm. um and so I started going to the club with her and I started working and um then I and again I also tried to work at a strip joint when I was in college <laughs> they kicked him out. Oh, no, they didn't kick me out. Um, Maybe all one, work is still around. Just saying. One, I was where I guess this was in Texas. I, I was in Austin, and I oh, I was told was I was working in the toilet. I was be working in the toilet, handing out flowers to the men to sell to the girls. Got it. And that's that was my job, and I said hard no. And then you're like, I want to take my. Clothes I'm not. Off. I would rather take my clothes off, and I don't want to be in the fucking toilet for eight hours stinks so the other the same guy said well why don't you do um like centerfolds and so there i was lying on a bed naked being photographed for calendars amazing and i had to sign off a waiver would you do live film with other actors i was like that sounds like sex on camera yeah it's like (laughs) now that i I said no and they never called me <laughs> I'm still regret that decision. You could have been Dirk Diggle. If I had said yes, I could have maybe paid off my student loans a little there bit. There you go. Yeah, well, and you know, it's mm. the funny thing. Everyone's like, "Oh, you you did this to pay for college?" No, I had right. a full scholarship. Literally, did I have to go to the school? I. But it, again, it was like this. Um, it's like quote unquote, I'm controlling. It's a control thing. Like I'm controlling this, but my relationship with my body was awful. I hated, you know, like I didn't like myself. So again, I'm like not liking myself asking other people. It's like completely, yeah. you know, the complete opposite. Yeah. But I definitely like, you know, you look back and you do things in the wrong times for the wrong reasons. And so mm-hmm. now you, now my, my kind of full circle is coming back and I'm doing it I don't know what the right reasons are, but it's the right time. And I love it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah you'll amazing. see, I do some handstands and uh, I do a lot of backhands. Sure. I do a lot of, all, yeah. you know, a lot of weird. You're putting all stuff. your yoga moves to good use. Absolutely. Hey, people like in it. High do, but again, in high heels. But again, I'm interested in the moment where you're there with your husband, who's a podiatrist in Kansas City, teaching okay. yoga on the regular and someone says uh do you want to um put on fancy clothes but not a lot of them in okay. public and you said yeah that's yeah i'm gonna do that it's and it's like perfect. your your aunt your aunt laura called you and said i heard about this on on facebook <laughs> oh it's always like, great you should when do people it. are like saw that picture on facebook and i'm like thanks yeah um. <laughs> To walk um, us through that moment where you were sitting when that happened and you said, you know what, this would heal things for me. <laughs> so when I first moved to Kansas City, uh, like I said, I didn't do a lot of teaching because I, I just, I don't know, there was, I was kind of in a disconnect um, between what I was doing and 
if I was going to do it here. So I, I found Maya where I, where I, you know, teach now and kind of head up the Mysore program, but, um, and I started practicing here and it was that funny. I told, uh, Harmony about it where she was like, here's the third series sheet. And I was like, like handed it back. Like, nope, I'm, nope. I'm still, a, you know, I did finish second a year ago and I'm still living in it terrified of don't and then like hands it back yeah. to me and I'm like nope um <laughs> and uh I did an audition um for this like outdoor theater amphitheater thing they were doing ragtime and it's I love that show and um I was cast as Evelyn Nesbitt and from that performance I just kept getting booked and so uh, for about the first three years living in Kansas City from 2014 to about 2017, I was doing theater pretty much full time again. Wow. Um, with teaching, and I still was teaching a bit, and I was, but I wasn't teaching full time yet again. Yeah. Um, I was practicing and I was doing all the stuff. I just, I don't know. Um, the the timing wasn't right, but there was about two years in where I realized there's a reason I stopped doing this. Like I'm anxious. Mm. I'm not exactly the happiest human. Like, um, mm. you know, Andy wasn't used to it and it's not an easy thing for a partner. If you're not used to someone being gone every night until 10, 11 for rehearsals, like I was never around. It just ended up, right. you remember why you stopped doing things. Um, and but somewhere in there, a call, uh, like someone I was performing with was like, have you ever done burlesque before? And I was like, I've never actually done burlesque, but here's what I have done, you know? And, um, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, would you, would, would you be interested? And I was like, well, I would come to a show. And so my first show, I did what you call kitten. Kittening is literally where you pick up the clothes that they drop on the floor. Oh, cool. <laughs> I want yeah, that right. Um, <laughs> and I had, a, I had a good time. I had, a, I had fun. And um, I've been a part of, the, you know, the Kansas City Burlesque Company ever since. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, it's an, you know, it's always interesting and it's different, but um, I, like, I like performing. And um, I think there's something to be said about being rooted in reality for so mm -hmm. much to allow yeah. yourself that release of space and the release of actual reality for a moment to be yeah. whoever you want to be for about five solid minutes and then right. you, back, you know <laughs> um, and and I think you know I don't I don't think I mean there are pictures you can always see them there's lots of youtube performances like you're welcome to look them up um but you know i don't i don't look at it as as anything other than performance um mm -hmm. you know yeah. people see movies all the time and i'm not i'm not fully you know the the bits and pieces are covered it's not like yeah. you're going yeah. to the strict you know, the bio Stone club where they can go fully tuned. Yeah. It's not like that. You know, we have those yeah. in Kentucky. The BYO right. beer because it's fully tuned. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You, you know, it's interesting. I I had always um I'd always wanted to do stand up, 
and I knew that I had, I had some friends who were doing stand up in New York and they invited me to shows and I could see what they were doing and I could see like a way in. And I knew it was going to be every night bombing for a couple of years yeah. working on my, on my solid five. <laughs> and, but I also knew like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm painting, I'm in, I'm in graduate school all day. Mm-hmm. I have three jobs and then I teach yoga and, and do yoga in the morning. It's like, I'm not going to add an evening routine to this. But yeah, it, it's hard. it always, <laughs> a literal evening routine. Yeah, like I always wanted to. And then I got this job teaching yoga to kids and then it was organizing women who teach yoga to kids. And then it was like, now we want you to teach teachers. And it, um, there's actually a, a great article in, in the um, the New York Times today about Kevon Looney, who is uh, um, a center for the Golden State Warriors. And it talks about his yoga practice. Oh, I love and, NBA. I know. Yeah. And he, um, he came out of... Um, Oh, the crap, his high school, um, the name of his high school escapes me. Um, uh, is it Washington? Damn, I just forgot. That the name. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I taught at his high school in Milwaukee, where he graduated from, and he would come back and visit all the time. He brought Kevin Durant once to come and visit and talk to the kids. Yeah. And these are kids that I was that I was working with and teachers I was working with. And the whole experience of teaching teachers yoga in schools is a bit like what, what Jerry Seinfeld describes <laughs> with stand-up. He said the, the premise that you walk out on stage and someone's warmed up the crowd for you is a, is a total lie. No one warms up a crowd for you. <laughs> when Every time you walk out onto stage, that crowd is dead to you and they want to see you fail. <laughs> and they're always surprised when you do well and that's what makes them laugh. And so that's what, that's what teaching, that's what teaching yoga to teachers is like. It's like, they are hostile (laughs) to you. They are 100% hostile to you the moment you walk out on stage and they don't want to be there and they don't like you and they don't like the way you're dressed. I think that's how kids do though. The kids are a bit, the kids are a bit better because at least it's not math. At least they're just like, they can screw around and, and like make fart jokes and it's not going to, not going to get drunk. Or actually fart. or oh, actually yeah. fart. It's cool. <laughs> but I and I just remember like the last time, the very last performance I did in Milwaukee and the very last, and I think of it as a performance because it was a stand-up routine. And but it was more like a TED Talk stand-up routine <laughs> where I'm making them laugh and I'm showing them slides and making them laugh about the slides and like these are real truths, you know, like that kind of thing. And then, but I remember like I really the very last one I ever did, I killed. Like I fucking killed (laughs) and these guys they walked in 15 minutes late they sat down they didn't like me and I had them by the end of my 45 minutes that I had left I had killed and I crushed them and it was (laughs) awesome and I missed that I missed having that in my life where I take a group of people that are antagonistic to me in my Mm -hmm. face and make them laugh and it's awesome. It's awesome performing. And I just, I wanted to ask you that like going out to stage that every single time it must be like this, like you're wondering, like, am I going to pull this off? And you do literally. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, 
But you did other shows too. You do other shows as well. She still acts and does other characters. I used and parts to. I don't. Um, I'm. You know. Uh, I think that the days of playing other characters, at least for me, are 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 over. Um, but I used to do a lot of kids theater because I'm mm-hmm. really small. Um, I'm short and I'm can do a really good cartoon voice and um so <laughs> I would play kids a lot. So I, um, and so I played Ooh, Juicy awesome. Jones for a very long time. Um for for those that don't know who she is, she's a she's just a brat. Um she's a very quote unquote outspoken six-year-old. She just says what she wants and she's a brat about it. But um mm-hmm. it's fun to play her. <laughs> So I played her for a long time and, um, and I would notice that the, like that, like playing her twice a day, cause we would do shows at 10 and at noon. And then I would be teaching later because at this point I was teaching a lot more. And so I'd be practicing in the morning and then I was going to do these two shows. And it was like the shift of energy, um, or the the type of energy that you need for those two different things started to get really enmeshed. Mm. Um, and you find yourself kind of performing through life in general. Um, and that's not really something that I'm, I'm not trying to be someone else anymore. Um, I think I, you know, tried to be someone else for so long um, that actually they um after the pandemic they brought her back they brought genie b shows back and um and i just said there's just no way i can i can make it work again she's you know it's fun to play it's fun to play a kid when you kind of weren't that kind of kid you know you get to do the silly stuff and i mean they call her a nutball that's like Junie B is in that ball is like one of the, the kid, Junie B in the stinky bus or something. I, I don't know. There's all these like ridiculous <laughs> things that she does. I did an entire song about purple glasses. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's great, but we're, you know, you, our entire lives, we try, or at least we're trying to enjoy this vehicle and this thing that's inside of ourselves our hearts you know we're trying to do our best for this and I was constantly trying to be someone else you know Mm -hmm. um I was trying to be normal whatever that definition of normal that I thought I needed to work at Hooters and be pretty you know (laughs) normal um probably Mm. came from somewhere in Kentucky but you know um (laughs) you know trying to be all of these different things instead of just allowing yourself to be who you are is probably the greatest lesson I've learned doing this practice and studying, you know, um, anytime, you know, um, we talk about sutras in any class, you know, it's the first one, you know, why are you here now? What is now? And, you know, it's so interesting as to the 8 million times I would start again, you know, it's like you get a chip in sobriety and you come back and then you have to get it again and again. It was like every time I came in for a lead primary was like 
starting over again until finally, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of bite the bullet and realize there's a reason that you keep ending up in the same place and why. Um, and there was a reason that I took myself out of performing for so long, you know, mm-hmm. just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it. And, uh, it took me a long time to figure that out because <laughs> it's, yeah. it was an easy out for me, mm-hmm. but, um, it wasn't, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the healthiest, uh, mm-hmm. I, David Swenson has probably, I mean, his anecdotes are always my favorite, but he has the one about, you know, when you're driving the car and you hear something going wrong in the car and you don't want to deal with it, you just turn the music up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like dumbing along and then you turn the music up and then you're screaming over the music, you know. Um, He talks about that in the term of an injury. I talk about that in the term of my life. Like I just kept turning up the music, pretending nothing was wrong and all of these different situations and spaces and finding out that really, you know, the foundation, the base level was, was all, there was always happiness. I just didn't want to look at it. I wanted to do Mm. all the other things, you know, it's like the finding the happiness thing. There isn't such a thing about finding it. Just realizing you're already there. Mm Well, yes, I fantastic. love burlesque. <laughs> you love burlesque. <laughs> that is uh, well said and a hell of a way to finish the show. <laughs> I, I, I wonder how can people get a hold of you and do yoga with you? I see that uh, Kira, you have a Gmail account, but I don't know if you want to give that out. And <laughs> how can people watch your burlesque? How can they how can they study yoga with you? How could they work with you, and to, or even just they have to go to Kansas you? City. How could well, they? How, could, how do people get to Kansas City? I mean, you can. Um, everything's up to date in Kansas City. That's a line from Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here I come. <laughs> I sing when I do burlesque, and I haven't sung that one yet. someday I will. I'm oh, sure. Um, but. <laughs> Um, so I teach in studio, um, and the studio is Maya Yoga. Um, I think it's just Maya Yoga. Ah, Maya, I should know that, shouldn't I? Um, I think it's MayaYoga.com. MayaYoga.com or MayaYoga.com. We can edit this so that you remember it we have correctly. Um, and, uh, and then actually there is an online program called um, Nautical. It sounds like not Dickel, but it's the Nadis, um, N-A-D-I-C-A-L, um, Ashtanga. And it's myself and um, Paige um, Marenzi Notario. She is a fantastic practitioner and student um, and teach. Well, she does assist the Meister classes in um, Miami. So she's in Miami. So it's the two of us. Um, that kind of lead those. It's online, my store. So if you just want to hear me like chirp at you to move your right hip and um, lift your <laughs> arm and move to the left, or I can't see you, or I laugh loudly at your animals if you have them. Um, that's really entertaining. <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, my Instagram just... handle, if you ever just want to get a hold of me via Instagram, is just Kira Lynn, K Y R A L Y N. 
Um, mm-hmm. But as for burlesque, you go to kcburlesque.com. Um, and that's mm-hmm. where you'll find a bunch of shows. Um, and um, my burlesque name is Petite Sarah, like the wine. Um, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And kind of dry and spicy. So it worked out pretty well for me. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of dry and spicy. Little dry and spicy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's awesome. Well, I think you're amazing. And I'm just so grateful you came on and shared your journey and your story yeah. with us. I think yeah, it's, it's a, really yeah, relatable it's journey, to. If it's, I don't know. I it, feel like. It is, but it, it also, I think, is the journey of so many practitioners in, in various ways. I mean, yeah. maybe not like the exact story, but the the same like things that you're dealing with, you know, that, oh, that I mean, lead I hope, down different paths, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, that, that also is, I remember when I met LaRuga the first time and um, it was like in a group setting and it was 2018 and um, she was asking how long people had been practicing. And, you know, I don't really know how to ever answer that question or how long I've been teaching or, or whatever that might be, because yeah, I technically took my first class in 2002. So that's, 2003 that's 20 years ago yeah. and you see the people that are they kind of look at you like well why aren't you know I have I'm physically able but I refuse to ever go <laughs> and so you know sometimes they're like maybe what did she she said something funny about it doesn't always like just because you've been practicing a long time doesn't I was like cool that's at me um but uh <laughs> that was a long time ago now we know each other much better that was the first time I met her but um but yeah it's interesting you know it's it was in and out for those first few years. And I had to be honest, that was probably quite a bit more out than in. Um, but <laughs> I do, I do thank my parents for, um, for being the people that started. And, you know, my dad's 82 and my mom is 76. They still do their mini practices in the mornings and they're, um, my dad meditates I, every day at, I think it's 3.30 330 to I mean, four. I, I wish we we had wow. kind of dug into this more about your parents teaching yoga in Mexico in the 70s. I mean, that sounds phenomenal. <laughs> like, I, I'll, what I'll is that? Quick, I'll give you this little quick antidote for that one, which is really fun. Um, and you can keep it or edit it out. Totally up to you. Um, but my dad won, it was either a grand or five grand on a on a game show, and it would have been in probably like 70. 75, 76, I think. Um, and they subletted their apartment and they took their station wagon and drove cross country. And they were in, I think they were in Santa Fe for a bit. They lived in Tucson for a while and they ended up in Tecate, Mexico. And they became the fitness directors for Rancho La Puerta, which is now like this five-star crazy like resort spa. But my parents taught Alvin Ailey yoga. Like, whatever yoga was in the seventies, you know, that they did, but my parents taught Alvin Ailey, which was such a cool experience for them. And then later on, Olive, um, who was their kind of, um, uh, company manager, she was my godmother. So my parents were always kind of in this dance world and in this, like, you you grow up and you live in New York, like, I guess, you know, having those kinds of people around you are just so much more normal than, 
Mm-hmm. You know, me going. They would have. They would have known Shelley Washington. Probably, yeah. especially in the seventies. I think it was a very different community in New York than it would yeah. be today. Where it's yeah, like much a lot of artists and it's closer and smaller and yeah. Wow. really yeah. grassroots kind of yeah <laughs> yeah so you know they they were out there and then um ended up somehow getting back to New York years later um and my mom was my mom was jealous of Darcy Kistler uh she was a famous ballet dancer uh because she got pregnant <laughs> and finally my mom was like okay sure and 11 years later then they and they had me so you know I'm a jealousy baby. The pregnancy was 11 years? No. Yes. Oh, I sat in there for 11 years. She imagine. talked about the kids in you're, Taiwan that are, are there. You were just like on your... I'm just like, I'm just like this. The same yeah, like in playing my your guitar. Two moms, like, yep. Just hanging out. Rebelli. Wow. Just hanging out, being like, mom, can you text she this just, person? But, but well, we should have led with that. That's a big story. <laughs> That's important. Yeah, my but I also... Were, yeah. I want to know, like, how cool was it to serve Barishnikov? Oh my God, he was sure. a great the, friend of Shelley Washington. One of the kindest people I have. Uh, I mean, I I was so starstruck too that I was just like staring, and um, then I went bowling later on with the, the with the company. And um, funny story, didn't realize like I was 26 at this point. So I was back from, no, I was back from treatment at this point. I was 26. And um, they like pulled me back into work. And I was like, okay, I'll come back for this. Like I'll work for White Oak Project. And I ended up going bowling with the company and realizing that I had been serving and flirting with a kid that was 19. And I was 26. And I was like, cool. One, Uh served a minor. And been there. Bad. (laughs) So great. Oh, awesome. great. That's so fun. Wow. That's but you didn't so bowl with Misha, just a no, I just got to oh, okay. give him drinks and talk a lot and tell him how amazing okay, he cool. was. And That's he just, like kind of smiled. But he really was the most yeah. just kind person. Like just so 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 nice. That's amazing. And you know, the Derby's in Louisville. So you know, you wait on a lot during, you know, Derby time, you wait on a lot of celebrities or whatever it is and you know I didn't really talk to any of them too much but he was just he was so nice that's awesome the derbies where they wear the hats right yeah yeah the derbies where you wear the hats or if you're you know 15 or 16 years old you sneak liquor in and uh end up in like a pit of mud in the infield so anyone who knows what that is why not? No, Why about. wouldn't you do that if you had the opportunity? <laughs> I would never do that again if I had. Well, you, you want to do it. You would have done differently. You want to do it once, though. Everyone you want to do it once. when you're when you're when you can't. Yeah. I was naked once for three days in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. My but husband's I don't family is from being... Ishpeming. Is that it? Is Ish... it in Ishpeming in the UP? In the UP, uh, it's near the national park. I'd have to look it up because it's like um, a, it's like a wilderness. I've never been there. I just know it. Yeah. I just, I, I know yeah, they're yeah. from Ishpeneng. Ishpene. I'll look it up. We were I in Indian River. Those. He may know, my grandfather was in Indian River, so he may know Indian River, but the, mm. we were at a national park in a rainbow festival, which is a, um, 
what do you call that when a um, flash mob? So it was a flash oh, mob of, of yeah. 30,000 naked kids. And there's really at that point when 30,000 naked people show up anywhere, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> that's if you're the local authorities, there's like 12 of you in the sheriff department. And like, that's it. What are you going to do? You're just kind of like, well, this is what we're dealing with now. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot. They're not going to call like, the National Guard. I'm just on stage guard. by myself. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I was in Vegas doing a show. I did a show in Vegas. And Vegas was trying to change their, like, license on what you can show. And it's Vegas. We were like, yeah. are we really going to argue with right. <laughs> Vegas yeah. police right now? Everything was like, fine. We're talking about so millimeters now. <laughs> no, it was like, you can't show, it's like, you can't show more than, like, I don't remember what it was. It was something really ridiculous. The Orioles <laughs> are off limits. Yes, you can't show those. Yeah. But I don't show <laughs> those. Those are covered. Those are covered. Yeah. yeah. Are it's a little off color. <laughs> keep, keep the pink parts covered. Yeah, it's, uh, it's off color. I'm sorry, I'm cracking myself up. Okay, this has been awesome. Here, I cannot. I'm, you just that. got to meet her in yeah, Kansas we together. I month. I was not invited. Well, maybe next time I'll get to go to Kansas. Anyone's invited. I mean, you stayed at my, uh, <laughs> stay at my house and hang out with my awesome. husband. And my dog. I learned how to play football in That's Kansas. Right. It was great. <laughs> Loved it. I was a linebacker. Yes, the, the draft is here this weekend. I will be is leaving on Thursday. Yeah. Thursday night. It's first here. round Thursday night. Second round mm-hmm. Friday night. Everyone at home. This will be broadcast long after that is over. But uh, I'm just really Saints. excited about <laughs> the next game four. Or sorry, we're game five on Wednesday. Next so for anyone five. that this will hopefully not age badly. <laughs> the Knicks are three <laughs> one right now. The Knicks the are three and one. Oh, oh yeah. They they might lose um against the Cavs and and on that on that fifth game, but they okay. won't they will not lose the series. Thank you. I I appreciate yeah. that. I th- I'll be in will, Miami they, wearing a think, jersey and getting yelled at. It'll totally be fine. Yeah, because that'll be the yeah, next. I think you'll you will see. <laughs> yeah, you will see the Knicks win in New York. They'll win that series and they'll move on to play what I thought was going to be Milwaukee, but now looks like it's going to be Miami. What Miami, is that? It, Miami, just it, you know, sometimes teams sometimes they save 56 or something 56 points for jimmy butler and sometimes you know teams just save it for the playoffs and that's what you're seeing with the warriors yeah because he was on my fantasy for all year he did nothing yeah i came in like jimmy Jimmy did not show up this year and then had the one of the all-time greatest scoring performances in nba history last night and like from where how just showed up for the playoffs and cool. now Milwaukee's oh, in trouble. And like Giannis looked like a buffoon out there on skates. He did my not mom look loves like, him. like my mom oh. loves. Well, loves. I'll, I'll retract my previous statement. Oh no, she won't care. I retract She's my statement go. about yeah. You know, and your mom loves basketball. Both my like parents. My do. mom. Yeah. Oh. I grew up watching every Knicks game with well, not every Knicks game, but I I grew up watching the Knicks with my dad. <laughs> So, well, uh, oh, thank you guys. This Good luck fun. to your Knicks 
I'm pulling for them and wish you the very best. <laughs> Yay! And and whoever hears this and is in the Richard and Mary thing this summer, now you now you know yeah. way better than you probably should. A little bit better. <laughs> totally. Mm. That'll be great. That'll That's be awesome. such a beautiful summer. Oh, I'm so excited! It's their last one. I know. I know. Oh, I we know. should go. <laughs> Just I come know. down and say hi. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be house sitting at cat because I can't afford to live in Boulder. Mm, I know. Who could? Yeah. Someone can. But enjoy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking Heart